1: What's up, everybody? I'm Joel Klatt. Welcome in to Breaking the Huddle, presented by Dr. Pepper. Of course, it's a college football tradition. No tailgate or watch party. is complete without a little Dr. Pepper. We got a huge show for you today, and it's, of course, a special edition. It's the championship weekend edition. So we are live from Indianapolis in, inside the broadcast booth where Gus Johnson and myself will call the Big Ten championship game tomorrow night live on Fox. We've got a lot to get into. We're going to run down every single scenario of how the teams in the top Ten really can get into the playoff, what type of chaos has to happen for teams like Colorado or Oklahoma. Uh, We're also going to talk a little bit about Oklahoma State and Michigan and what their path to a potential playoff would be. And we're going to do all of that with one of our best at Fox Sports, Stuart Mandel, who will be joining me in just a moment. But first, we got to run down what the committee gave us this week heading into these championship games. The top 10, as says The College Football Playoff Committee. Oh, you know how I love those 12 people. Alabama up top at number one. Ohio State at two. Clemson at three. Washington at four. Not much change there. Of course, Michigan drops out of the top four with their loss to the Buckeyes a week ago. They're at number five. Wisconsin and Penn State. The Big Ten West and Big Ten East champion who will be playing here in Indianapolis tomorrow night at six and seven. Colorado. That's right. My alma mater. The Buffs in the top ten at number eight playing Washington tonight on Fox in Santa Clara for the Pac-12 championship and then the de facto Big 12 championship uh, top 10 matchup also on Fox tomorrow afternoon, 1130, uh, as Oklahoma and Oklahoma State tangle and Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman will be on that call. So, with that, as we set the table, let's bring in our guy, our man, the playoff expert, Stuart Mandel, to join us right now on Breaking the Huddle. Stuart's actually in his car. This is how good of a guy he is. He's driving his mom to the airport and is good enough to join us on Breaking the Huddle live. Stuart Mandel, what's up, man? How are you doing?
2: I'm great, Joel. The traffic is flowing on the 101 here in the (laughs) Bay Area. All is good.
1: How are you? I'm doing fantastic. We appreciate you joining us. And before we get into all these situations, I would just remind everybody watching and listening, first of all, Take part in this show. Throw, Stuart, your comments and your questions, and uh, Stuart and I will try to get to those. Download this as a podcast on iTunes. Make sure you can listen to it all weekend long. you know when we're right. You'll know when we're wrong, as well as sharing it with your friends so that we can have a nice time here for about the next 20 or 25 minutes. So, Stu, let's get into it. I want to run down these teams, and we'll try to go as quickly as we can. I'm going to start with Ohio State. Not much to talk about, and I'm passing Alabama because it's pretty much win or lose they're in, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, the Tide could literally not show up for the game tomorrow, and they're in the playoffs.
1: Okay, so now they're in like an Indianapolis Colts situation where they're going to rest Peyton Manning at the end of the season and they can still make it to the playoffs and get home field, blah, blah, blah. Let's go with Ohio State. They did not win the East Division. They are not going to win the Big Ten, but they got the huge victory in a top-ten matchup, their third win over a currently top-ten ranked team in the country this season. That's more than Alabama. That's more than Clemson. That's more than Washington combined, Are the Buckeyes in, Stu, right now?
2: The Buckeyes are in, Joel. Everything the committee has indicated so far, they consider Ohio State to be uh, a a much better team than the teams that are actually playing for the Big Ten title. And you mentioned a good part of their resume there. And remember, a fourth game against the Top Ten team, now it's the Penn State game, a three-point loss on the road. So uh, their resume is just so good that Kind of like Alabama. It doesn't really matter
0: if they play this
1: weekend. Okay, so we're going to get to the importance of whether or not they won their conference and division and so on a little bit later when we talk about Penn State and Wisconsin. But first, let's move to Clemson because Clemson seems at this point, even with, I would say, a shaky resume because of what Louisville down, did down the stretch, because of what Florida State really was this entirety of the season, because of their six one-possession games, the loss to Pitt, you could say they're in a precarious situation, but Stu, a lot of us believe that game against. Virginia Tech is a win and in for uh, Clemson. Are you in that uh, belief?
2: Absolutely, it is a win and in. And in fact, I wonder if they'll move ahead of Ohio State in the Mm. seeding. Not that that really matters uh, if they win the game. It's not Ohio State's resume, but it is three wins over teams that are ranked by the committee twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth
1: right now. Uh, Clemson has been up and down. We know that, but they have gotten the job done. They only have one loss. I would argue that their resume is not as good as the team in the fourth position, the Washington Huskies. Lots of people have been taking shots at Washington's resume because of that Rutgers game in the non-conference. Stu, Washington right now sits at number four with one loss on the precipice of potentially winning the Pac-12 conference. What's going on with the Huskies right now, and are they in a precarious situation whether they win or lose?
2: I think if they win and they're a 12-1 and one Pac-12 champ, they should be in there. The only holdup is that the committee keeps telegraphing messages that they don't like their strength of schedule, how close Michigan was this week. But Michigan's not going to pass them without playing another game. I guess the danger might be the Big Ten champion. But, you know, Washington's going to win the Pac-12, Washington's got to beat a top-ten team tonight in Colorado. Yeah. I just don't see them getting left out.
1: Uh, And and I would go a step further, Stu, because think about it this way. Their resume could, even on paper, look stronger than Alabama because of what the SEC is at this point. Remember now, when Alabama drubs Florida, which we all expect them to do, every single team in the SEC outside of Alabama will have at least four losses. It's a conference that is sub-500 against Power 5 non-conference opponents, and they lost to the Sun Belt in Conference USA. So you can make an argument that while Alabama is a great team and undefeated, you can say that, listen— They're not as hands-down clear-cut number one, and Washington is sitting there with 11 Power 5 opponents. They lead the country in time spent in the lead of nine-plus points or more, which is two possessions. They've won a more percentage of their quarters than anybody in the nation. So with a weak schedule, and it's not as weak as you think when you put USC and Stanford in there and now Colorado tonight and Washington State and so on and so forth, that their resume in the back end of the schedule has been much tougher than some of the other teams. Would you agree with me?
2: Uh, I agree that Washington's schedule is not as bad as some people think. You know, if you go by any strength of schedule metric, Sagarin, whatever you want, the I mean, Alabama schedule is still considered really good, uh, just because it's not. There aren't a lot of bottom feeders on sure. that schedule. But they are. Yeah, as of today, there aren't any committee top ten teams. In- so I would love to see the two of them play. You know, I'd love to see Alabama and Washington play in the playoffs.
1: I don't know if Washington's offensive line could handle that defensive line, but I don't know if any offensive line can handle that defensive line. Let's be very honest. Let's move to number five. An interesting situation with Michigan. Really strong resume. Three wins over teams currently ranked in the top ten. That Colorado resurgence has done wonders for their resume in a game that looked like it was somewhat of an easy, nondescript, non-conference game. That's obviously helping them. But they have the two losses. That Iowa loss late when you you could say there was a questionable face mask call and then some very questionable officiating in Columbus last week, which led to that overtime loss to the Buckeyes. Does Michigan have a shot, Stu, to get into the playoff, and what is that path?
2: They definitely have a shot. I mean, one is the, the ultimate chaos scenario where both Washington and Clemson lose. Then I definitely think they would be in. You know, and even if it's just one of those teams losing, the fact that Kirby Hocutt just kept saying how close they are to Washington – almost seemed to be a message about how good their chances really are and that maybe, maybe they could get in before the Big Ten champion. One thing that's definitely working in Michigan's favor is that they have, made, you know, kind of a coincidence, but they have played and beaten most of the other teams that we're talking about as contenders. They right. beat both of the teams that are playing in Indianapolis. They also beat Colorado, so that makes it tough for Colorado to justify moving ahead of Michigan if they win the
1: Pac-12. Now, the team that you can make more of an argument than others about passing Michigan is the one that I'm going to jump to. I'm going to skip Wisconsin real quick and go to Penn State. Because of the fact that they won the division Michigan's in, that they won the conference, if they were to win Saturday night, won the conference that Michigan is in, and they beat Ohio State, who you say is already in the playoffs. So would that kind of trump the loss to Michigan, which was a bad loss because they were handled in that game in Ann Arbor early in the season. So t- talk to me about Penn State because that's a really interesting piece to this playoff puzzle because of the inclusion, like you said earlier, of number two Ohio State.
2: And I do think that if it comes to that, there are going to definitely be a lot of people on that committee that are uncomfortable with putting in, if we, if we concede that Ohio State's in, can we really leave Penn State out with that Big Ten title, with the win over Ohio State? I think it'll come down to how does the committee, and we don't know this, how does the committee view a team like that that over the first month of the season was not very good uh, over the last two-thirds of the season, especially if they win this game, has played about as well as just about anybody? So is it the four best as of today, or does the, the, the four weeks in September continue to hold them back? I think that's a big question for the committee because, like you said, in order to put them in over Michigan, they have to find a way to excuse away that forty-nine to ten loss uh, head-to-head in Ann Ar- in Ann Arbor back in September.
1: Here's here's my problem with the whole situation, and now I'm going to include Wisconsin. Is that what does it mean anymore to win your conference if we're, we're going to throw Michigan in there based on some sort of mythical resume and we're not going to include the conference champ? Then that 13th data point all of a sudden that was so important two years ago when you left the Big 12 out – is not important anymore, and you're penalizing Wisconsin and Penn State for actually making it to this game on Saturday night in Indianapolis. That would be my problem with the committee because we still haven't seen how much they value conference championships. Remember, if Michigan and Washington are close now, that's without a possible conference championship for Washington or a conference championship for Penn State or Wisconsin. So how do you think they're going to value the winners of these games tonight and tomorrow night?
2: That's why I'm kind of taking a I'll believe it when I see it approach to, to Michigan actually making it before the Big Ten champ. It's one thing if you're talking about 11-1 Ohio State against a Penn State or Wisconsin with two losses who, you know, in neither case has a non-conference win uh, like Ohio State's by three touchdowns at Oklahoma. It's another when you're talking about 10-2 and Michigan, which finished third in its own division. End of day, the committee, you know, they're following their instructions, and their instructions are to pick the four best teams regardless of whether or not they won their conference. And so if this happens, I mean, a lot of people are going to be really think, even back and say, well, is it the committee's fault or the committee's problem that these conferences have gotten so big and the schedules are so imbalanced that you don't necessarily know who the best team is after they play the championship game? Because right. according to the committee, the, the, the Big Ten title game is the third and fourth best teams in their rankings in the Big Ten. So, again, I still believe that the champ gets in over Michigan Uh, But they certainly sent a signal the other night that it's possible that it's possible that they would do the opposite and put Michigan
1: in. All right. Don't don't hurt my heart here. Is there any path for the Colorado Buffaloes? Because I'm totally biased. First of all, I think they're going to win tonight. Second of all, I think that they deserve a path to the playoff. And here's why. Here's my argument, because I'm going to argue for, I can't argue against. They have not lost the game when their quarterback has been healthy for four quarters. And that's something that the committee, at least in its its inception, said that they would consider when talking about some of these teams. They're undefeated with Sefo Lufau, healthy for four quarters, held the lead against Michigan in the middle of the third quarter in Ann Arbor, which was far better than what Penn State fared early in the season in Ann Arbor. So could you make an argument that Colorado, with a win tonight over a Washington team, could get inclusion into the college football playoff? Please tell me yes.
2: <laughs> if, they, if they do, Joel, it'll be exactly what you just said. I mean, the committee is well aware that, the, that their quarterback got hurt, specifically in the Michigan game with Colorado still leading, and then the game got away from them once he was hurt. And then he was hurt in the U S D game as well. So they know that, and, and if they if they want to say that they should be in ahead of Michigan in particular, that would be the main reasoning why. I would feel better for the Buffs if they had lost to Michigan on a last-second field goal. That's one thing. Another thing is a 17-point loss. If these are the two teams that are vying for the fourth playoff spot, would be harder for them to overlook.
1: Now, if I'm going to continue to argue for them and this committee is going to watch film like they claim that they're going to, they would know that it was special teams errors that led to the 17-point loss. In in particular, their kicker blowing out his Achilles, and then they had a blocked punt. They had a, a punt return. So... Listen, I know it's all part of the game, but like I said, I'm a little biased in that one. All right, the Oklahoma schools. Any chance Oklahoma or Oklahoma State pass all those teams and get into the playoff? What amount of chaos would have to ensue for the Sooners or Cowboys to get in?
2: I just don't see it. I mean, after the other night when Colorado moved ahead of uh, Oklahoma right. and Oklahoma State, or specifically Oklahoma, I thought, well, there goes their last hope because either, either, Colorado, either the favorites are going to win and they don't have any chance, or Colorado is going to win And the committee already thinks Colorado is better than them even before they play, you know, have a chance to beat a top four team tonight. So I don't know how how they do it.
1: All right, Stu, last thing that I want to get into is that I believe that the committee right now is trying to be all things to all people. And any time that you try to do that, you're going to come up short. They're a mile wide and an inch deep rather than an inch wide and a mile deep. I think that's problematic. Because the same criteria that they used two years ago to argue that TCU should not go and Ohio State should was two things. The 13th data point, a championship game, and the fact that they were an outright champ versus a co-champion, plus the fact that TCU was, let's say, didn't have the greatest non-conference strength of schedule. And isn't that the same argument that you could use against Ohio State this year?
3: You know, I think what happened in 2014, I think at the time that we were living in it and we'd never gone through this, we thought that that fact that they were co champions fans was, was you know, some sort of determining factor. I really, in hindsight, don't think it was. I think that, first of all, much like this Ohio State-Penn State, the you know, penn State won the game, but a lot of people still think Ohio State's a better team. I think they felt that way about TCU and Baylor, from what I understand. They still thought TCU was a better team, but they had played you know, basically the same 10 games at that point, how could they uh, uh, use the head-to-head? And so when Ohio State went out one fifty-nine won 59 it gave them the perfect excuse to uh, put somebody else in instead of those Big 12 teams. You know, at the end of the day, every season's going to be different with the committee. You know, you can't necessarily say, all right, that's how they did it in 2014, that's how they should do it in 2015, that's how they should do it in 2016, because the teams are different. And certainly this year, we have never in the first two years we did not have a non-champion that had a profile anywhere near what Ohio State does. It's true, with those three top ten wins we talked about. So some years you're going to have a team like that that emerges and and doesn't fit the fit the mold that they've shown in the past couple of seasons. But I will say you know, we have a new chairman this year. We have several new members, and just based on his comments, it does seem like they are not emphasizing conference championships as much as certainly the committee has done the first two years.
1: All right, my man. Hey, appreciate it. Drive safe. Get your mother to the airport uh, nice and safe, and we appreciate you joining us, bud. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. All right, so there you go, Stuart Mandel. Okay, now I I just want to break down these two games that are so important on Fox. First, on Friday night, the Pac-12 championship. When I look at this game, I look at it through the Buffalo's eyes. I played there. I can't do anything but that. If I was calling the game, I would give you a more unbiased analysis of this game. But I'm going to give you the reasons why Colorado can beat Washington. With this preface, and Washington fans take solace in the fact that I believe this fully, Washington's a great team. They've got great talent, a quality quarterback. They're suspect on the offensive line, in particular in the back half of the season. That's how USC got to them, but they've got great running backs. Miles Gaskin is a terrific player. LeVon Coleman, he might even be better, in particular in between the tackles and a downhill motion, but they are fantastic. I love John Ross. I love Dante Pettis. If Jake Browning throws the football on time, their offense is one of the best in college football. Defensively, they're great up front. A lot of size. I like Elijah Qualls a lot. I think Keyshawn Bieria is one of the best players in the Pac-12 as a linebacker. It hurts that they don't have Joe Mathis and Azim Victor, but their secondary is second to none in the Pac-12. Great safeties with JoJo McIntosh, Buda Baker, and Taylor Rapp. And their corners, Sidney Jones and Kevin King, a couple of guys that I think are the best tandem in all of college football. So I wanted to start there. But here's the recipe. Here's the way that Colorado wins tonight. First and foremost, I already told you earlier in the program. When Cefo Lufau has been healthy for four quarters, Colorado hasn't lost. This is a team that has something magical about them. Remember, it wasn't some first ranked recruiting class or fifth ranked recruiting class that magically came to Boulder somehow, some way. And turn this program around. It wasn't a brand-new coach that came in and turned this program around. These are the same people that were there when they were getting beat badly, and they have turned themselves into a division champion and now on the precipice of being a conference champion. I think Colorado is great on defense as good as anybody in the country. They stopped Joe Williams' cold last week from Utah, Utah, who I thought was one of the best backs in the country. Their secondary is fantastic. Maybe not quite the level of Washington, but very close. Chidobe Awuzie, their corner, is one of the best in America. Akela Weatherspoon is fantastic. Isaiah Oliver is really good. Tedrick Thompson is a guy that I felt like should have been an all-conference player. That defense has to play not only well, but great tonight to beat Washington. And then on the offensive side, they've struggled a bit down the stretch in the red zone in particular. I firmly believe that the the pressure for Colorado is to run the ball early against Washington because if they can do that and get Buda Baker to commit to the run game, that's when they'll be able to hit some shots over the top. Washington holds a clear advantage in the special teams, but I'm picking with my heart here. The Colorado Buffaloes are going to win a close game. I don't think they're going to make it to the playoff. Too much has to go right for them, including Clemson losing to Virginia Tech, which I don't think is going to happen. But Buffs fans, if I would have told you at the beginning of the year that you were going to win 11 games, the Pac-12 championship, and go to the Rose Bowl, would you have taken it? The answer is yes. I'm picking Colorado, and they're going to end up in the Rose Bowl versus probably Michigan at that point in a rematch of that game earlier in the year. Now to my game here. I'm not going to make a pick, but here are some keys and things to watch for in the Big Ten Championship game. I'm going to start with Wisconsin because Wisconsin is a unique team in this respect. They are defense and defense first. Now, we've seen some great defensive teams this year, but they've also had the ability to score a lot of points, and Wisconsin is not built that way. They lead the country, lead the country in time of possession at 35 minutes. 35! That's incredible. That's part of the reason why that defense can be so effective and so aggressive. Two of my favorite players to watch in the country are their outside linebackers, Vince Beagle and T.J. Watt. They're disruptive, and they're going to be right in the middle of that game in terms of the focal point of what Penn State is going to be looking at and focusing on, because offensively for Penn State, they're predicated on the run game. Trace McSorley has been terrific for them as a quarterback, and Saquon Barkley, who's the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, is one of the most talented running backs Not only in the conference, which, of course, is why he won that award, but in the entire country. Now, they run that zone read style of offense where McSorley will be reading the in-man on the line of scrimmage. Those players for Wisconsin are Vince Beagle and TJ Watt. I'm talking strength against strength. It's a wonderful matchup, and I can't wait to see that one play out. I think Wisconsin's secondary is really good. They're maybe not as talented as Washington or Colorado, but one of the guys that I love so much is Leo Musso. He's a short guy that makes a lot of plays and a lot of interceptions, and I think he is benefiting mostly from his new coach jim leonard was a three-time all-american at wisconsin as a safety in the secondary then he went on to a fabulous 10-year career in the national football league jim leonard is their coach and he's essentially coaching himself in leo Musso, an undersized guy that has to be very smart in order to be in position to make plays that's one of the reasons why i think leo Musso has done so well defensively for penn state very good up front Their linebacker core, which went through a lot of injuries early in the season, is more healthy. And I think that they're going to play very well against Wisconsin, and they're going to have to because that Wisconsin offense is all about running the football and trying to control the clock, like I was talking about a little bit earlier with that 35 minutes time of possession. It's going to be a fabulous game. And by the way, I disagree with Stu completely. I am a conference championship guy. Whoever wins this game should not only go to the playoff, but I think go to the playoff even more so than Ohio State, in particular if it's Penn State. I know Ohio State is great, but why are we rewarding things like recruiting classes and talent and expectations rather than what kids accomplish on the field? Penn State beat Ohio State, they won that division, and they're not going to but could win the conference if that happens I think Penn State deserves a spot at that playoff table I don't really care that they lost to Michigan because I saw them beat Ohio State at that point this game has to matter on Saturday night I can't wait to call it and it's going to be a phenomenal environment I want to give a huge shout out and a huge thanks to Dr. Pepper Because this is our last show of this season. We'll continue breaking the huddle during the offseason, but I just want to thank Dr. Pepper so much for their association with our show. It was unproven. Uh, We had never tried this before, and they got on board because they love college football just like I do and just like you do. I think they should be commended for buying into something that they had no idea what it was. Uh, Big thanks to them. Remember, they're a college football tradition. No tailgate or watch party is complete without Dr. Pepper, and I'm completely indebted to them for making this show happen from places like this in Indianapolis in the booth of the Big Ten Championship game. I want to give a big shout out to all of our production staff on Breaking the Huddle, including our producer, Jason Kleiman, who's done a phenomenal job all year long. It really has been fun. We've got some good content planned for you during the bowl season and during the offseason, including some NFL draft talk. So be prepared to download the podcast uh, on iTunes and check that out. I'm Joel Clatt. Live from Indianapolis, thank you so much for watching and being a part of Breaking the Huddle.